On the tee from the United States of America, the Back Nine Bros, starting in three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is another week's episode here on the Back Nine Bros podcast. We have a very, very special guest this week, two-time PGA Tour winner, Mr. DJ Trahan. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, thank you. That's great, man. And we're also here with um, Drew Steiner, my buddy. Uh, he's filling in for Sully and Bo this week, so happy to have him back. How you doing, Drew? Of course, man. It's great to be here. Looking forward to speaking with you, DJ. Thanks, bud. So, DJ, to start, uh, let's. Why don't you tell your listeners, our listeners, a little about yourself? You know what you got, how you started getting into the game of golf when you were younger, and yeah. So let's let's hear the full uh, inside scoop. Uh, well, my dad is a PGA professional and he got me started when I was uh, a real little boy. So uh, it was a pretty easy, uh, you know, kind of fix for me. Uh, so probably about one and a half years old, I think I probably first started swinging a club. My dad took me out to the course. So it was kind of a it was kind of a family thing, obviously. And uh, it was great to have that kind of support for me. Uh, you know, my dad's a, a, being a teaching professional and a PGA professional. It, uh, it gave me easy access to the game, and uh, my dad was always really very supportive, and uh, I, had a, I had a good environment. I was never forced to do anything, and he was very supportive of me, and uh, it, it made me feel really comfortable, and obviously it kept me uh, pushing forward, so to speak. I, you know, I played a lot of golf with a lot of kids growing up that either fizzled out a little bit or just didn't, I think, didn't reach their maximum potential because they didn't have the right support behind them, and I think that's probably a really integral part of, uh, you know, teaching young kids and keeping them interested and, and helping them progress. And, and I had, I was fortunate enough that I had that environment and it, and it was at my, it was, it, you know, it came from a home perspective as well, which was even better. I wasn't going to the golf course just to see my coach. I was living with my coach cause he was my dad. So it was really nice to have the support coming, not only from a parent uh, perspective, but from a coach perspective as well. So DJ, um, you've obviously had the privilege to play on tour for quite the long time. What would you say? I'll give you the basic question of what have you seen change over your years of being on tour from then to now? Man, you know, I mean, obviously the dynamic of the game has changed so much. I, I'm not a big fan of it simply because I'm a traditionalist. I love the way old golf used to be played. The obsession with distance and everything else now and the design of golf courses. I think that we should still be like – quite frankly, bubble golf, you know, the guy's an artist and, and he still chooses to be that way. And granted he does hit the ball a long way, but Bubba shapes all of his shots. I grew up playing that way too. And that's kind of been taken out of the game in a, in a sense. And uh, I miss it. You know, I, I, I would love to see golf courses, you know, put water hazards, bunkers, keep trees there, do whatever you have to do to make guys have to hit shots and, and a lot of that's changed because you, you do, you just see the dynamic of the game. You see how, how people are chasing distance and, and that's all they care about now. And, and, you know, it's, I just don't think golf should be the home run derby. I think golf is a, is a great sport and it's a creative sport. And I think some of the creativeness has been taken out of the game. I mean, you can just see it in the way the equipment's gone, right? I mean, back in the day, it was so much easier to shape the ball with the equipment, the way the golf balls are made, the way the clubs are made. Nowadays, it's like I said, it's just it's just hammered down. And, and I don't know if it kind of just hasn't really been my thing or whatever you want to call it. But it's kind of it's kind of taken some interest out of the game for me. And I know my career has struggled a little bit in the past 10 years or so. I've been injured in some other things, but 
more importantly, I've just kind of lost interest because I, I love growing up and I love hitting shots and I love the creativity that the game offered. And I know I can still try and play that way, but the numbers are proving you wrong. You know, I mean, the Jeff Slumans and the Corey Pavins, they don't exist anymore, man. They just, you know, if a guy hit, if a guy isn't, doesn't have 175 ball speed, it's like he's, it's like he's swinging, you know, with two left hands and two right feet or something. So, um, uh, again, I'm not in denial. I understand that's where the game's going, but I also think that there's choices that can be made that we can maybe make some shifts to, to dial things back. Let's start getting a little bit more creative with golf course design. I look, I tell people all the time, you know, colonial Hilton head, these courses stand the test of time. Colonial. I think the winning score was like 10 under par last year or whatever it was off the top of my head. I don't know the exact score, but it was, if it was into double digits, it was barely into double digits. And I think that says a lot for, how one fantastic the golf course is, but it's also one of the shortest courses we play. It forces you to hit certain shots and there's no way around it. You know, you have to play the golf course a certain way. There's no way to be like, Hey, I'm just going to do what I want to do here. And I love that because then a guy has to get creative in that particular moment and play the shot that's called upon and not just reinvent the game, if you will, in their, in their own way. And um, again, I think it's fun to watch guys hit it far, but I also think it's really fun to watch guys hit, hit quality, quality golf shots. And, and fans were mesmerized by Tiger doing it over and over again. People didn't care about Tiger hitting it 300 yards. They loved watching him get out of trouble. They loved the creativity that he had when he was, you know, in jail and somehow came out of it unscathed or even making a birdie and just doing some, putting some sort of magic before the people. And, and some of that's kind of, it, you know, it's just not really there. The element's not really there anymore. DJ, that, I mean, you and I clearly see eye to eye because not many people agree with me on this topic, um, you know, how the game has really changed. And I personally am not a fan of it at all. Look, I'm a guy who does not hit the ball a long way. I hit it 265, 270 max, you know, but, you know, great short game and like, you know, just a precision player, you know, not, never was a long hitter and, and, you know, it's, it's sad to see guys, you know, like Luke Donald, Zach Johnson, not really being able to compete out in the PGA tour anymore. And, and just other names like that because of the courses and because of just the technology in the golf clubs. And I don't know yeah. if they're going to bring the golf ball back or something like that, but it's sad to see that. And I'm glad you brought up those courses like Hilton head um, because it's, it's, those are historic golf courses. And another one like Marion, like, I would love yeah. to see them play there. Like that's 6,800 yards, but the winning score was one under or even par Justin Rose won the U S open at like, that is, that is a true test of golf. Like you don't need a 7,900 yard golf course to, for, to show like carnage. Like you, you, that didn't even you work. Exactly. They played Chambers Bay and what, what did Brooks shoot? Did Brooks win at Chambers Bay? I mean, he shot like 15 under par or something in the U.S. Open. That's, yeah. that's insanity in a U.S. Open. And, and that was one of the longest courses they'd ever played. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I know people are going to disagree with us because I, I just I know I, I brought this this topic has come up quite often for me, but, yeah. and I'm sorry I interrupted you, but it's like, it's just like no, the, no. Proof, the proof is in the pudding right there, yeah. man. I mean, you know, they destroyed Chambers Bay and, and, and the USGA knew they had to set it up accordingly 
to allow for it because they were playing it at that length. With a course like Marion, they can say, hey, we're going to pinch the fairways. We're going to grow the rough. We're going to let the golf course do what it's supposed to do. And it did. I mean, level par won the championship. That's that's U.S. Open golf. Yeah. And, it, you know, I also think that, like you said, Zach Johnson is an artist. Luke Donald was an artist. I mean, short game of like short game wizards, wedge wizards. And you look at these guys and, and again, Zach is still competing, but at the level that he was competing early in his career, no. And Zach's fitter probably than he's ever been. I'll bet you Zach Johnson's hitting it farther than he's ever hit it. But at no. some point, it's like the law of diminishing returns. You keep playing these courses longer, and then there's certain guys that only hit it or, or quote-unquote, quote swing that fast. And you, in, in, in an essence, you are – you're taking talent out of the game because it's just not supposed to be, like I said, the PGA tour shouldn't be the home run derby. It should be the day to day 156, you know, 150 something game season where guys show up and let's just say that the best player wins, not the guy that can just bomb it all over the place. And yeah. that's why those bombers are winning because those bunkers aren't in play for them that, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and if I bomb it down there 340 because I've got the speed to do it, I've got a wedge out of the rough, even if I miss the fairway. Whereas if Luke Donald or Zach Johnson, who hit it 290, missed the fairway, they still have a seven iron or a six iron in. You can't compete with that. But Colonial doesn't allow that. You know, there's maybe a couple of holes where distance can be an advantage there. And truthfully, it ends up being par fives. Number yeah. 11, a straightaway 600-yard par five. If you pipe a drive down that fairway, a guy that can hit it 340 now has a, a I don't know, a hybrid or, or can obviously easily reach that green in two. But guess what? That second shot is crazy difficult. And you have to hit a great shot to get it around the green, much less on the green. And then you've got to be in the right place to give yourself a decent opportunity to get up and down and at least make your birdie you as a good player you understand these things so colonial exposes all those weaknesses whereas when you just play this bomber's paradise guys weaknesses are never really exposed and more importantly the guys that don't hit it far enough they're never allowed to really let their true talent shine through because they just get absolutely blistered by the bombers yeah and it's 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 like you know another course like i i love watching the honda classic because you know, not the longest course PJ National, but you know, when it's windy out there, you're gonna see plus one, plus two being in the lead, possibly after like or being in the top ten after the first round. And it's great yeah. to see because it's it's like it shows that it you have to keep the ball down in the wind and it's you know, a lot of shot making. It's it's not just okay, taking out my driver every single hole, as opposed to like if you play um the the Byron Nelson wherever they play it now. Um, it's at Craig Ranch, I believe. Yeah, TPC Craig Ranch. And and it's like you're just, just hitting driver every hole and it's a wide open fairway. Um, uh, correct. And it's so, a long golf course. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, and then there, there's where, the, there's where the proof is in the pudding. I mean, uh, like you said, Honda is brutal. Even Innisbrook, another great test. Like, yeah, you, you know, if you're yeah. bombing it straight, you know, Innisbrook, can, you can certainly take advantage of that. But man, if you're not hitting it, where you need to hit it there, you are not going to, you're not going to play well there. You just, there's no faking it around certain golf courses. And, and like I said, they, they stand the test of time. And quite frankly, a guy like Zach Johnson can show up at a Honda classic and an Innisbrook and he can still very much win those golf tournaments. It's very difficult for him to contend at these bombers paradises. And I, I know there's people out there that are going to say, Oh, well, you know, it all evens out. Well, it really doesn't. You just, all you have to do is look at the stats and look at where the game's going. And, 
again, I, like you said, I don't know if you, if you dial the ball back. I just think that people need to take a little bit more creativity in designing golf courses instead of just going, Hey, let's just make this 7,800 yard, you know, bombers paradise. Let's actually get creative. That's what bunkers and water hazards and tree placement and things like that are for. That's what makes the Marion's and the, and the, and the, and like you said, the timeless classic golf courses, what they are. Yeah. DJ, I'm wondering, um, you mentioned before how, um, guys, you know, the speed training and stuff like that kind of, bothers you in a way but something that's coming to the game i'm wondering if you personally have gotten into it at all in order to in a sense keep up did you get into any speed training aspects when you made your return to the tour try and gain distance at all no because i you know i was suffering from back problems and i was trying to stay healthy and i didn't think that going out and trying to torque my body and do all this speed training was going to benefit me i needed stability and and I'm still I'm still long enough that I can compete if I'm playing well. I just haven't been playing well enough. You know, you still at the end of the day have to hit have to hit enough fairways. You have to hit enough greens. You have to make enough putts. And I just haven't been doing that. And to say any differently would be lying to myself and dishonesty gets you nowhere. So I realized that I need to hit it a little better. I need to putt better. You know, my short game's actually been pretty good around the greens. But again, the stat, like my dad always said, fairways and greens is, 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 is number one. And then you can worry about getting the ball in the hole and scoring. And I do realize that good putting can save bad ball striking. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're stroking 14, 15 greens a day, you're at the top of the of of the of the pyramid, so to speak. And and it's really hard to not play good golf when you're when you're doing that. So it, it's like anything else. Um, I still hit it far enough that I knew that chasing distance was not was not something I was interested in because I'm just when I go to the gym, I work out to try and create stability for my body because of my, you know, and I had I didn't have spinal issues. I just had lower back muscular issues. And for whatever reason, that kept coming up for me time and time and time again, unpredictably. Right. So I was struggling very much just to stay healthy. And when you're doing that, it, it uh, you know, when you're always fighting so to speak, or not necessarily fighting, but, and I wouldn't say I was scared of it happening. I just had to deal with the reality of, man, it could happen at any time. And, and so it, I just knew that chasing distance and doing some of these movements that these guys are doing just wasn't, wasn't going to be ideal for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as you could see a lot of the guys out there who were doing the chasing distance, like, you know, Jason Dave was six years ago, he tried to, you know, put a big, emphasis on that now he's got pretty much lifelong back issues you know now Bryson to everyone Luke Donald has had a disc surgery or herniated disc and it's it's just now it's all over the game because everyone's trying to just do whatever they can to maximize their distance it's just you know I I, I hate it I, I think it's terrible I think it's sad to see because I'm and I'm sure like Jack Nicholas is like you know looking looking at this like well, this is just not you know this is one what, what i you know wanted this isn't what i played on i mean look i i understand that you know tiger changed the game for everyone and you know all these new and up-and-coming players like you know morikawa and just i guess the longer hitters now um you know they all looked up to tiger and they loved what he did for the game and it's i understand that and i respect that but it's you know, it, it's sad to see that tradition and like, you know, just that conventional part of the game go away. Like the conventional golf swings just starting to fade away into the dust. 
Uh, a little bit. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they forget how good Jack Nicholas hit the golf ball though. He was like Tiger, one of the longer players or the, probably, I mean, I'm sure there might've been a few guys that could hit it farther than Jack. Cause there's always quote unquote, like the beast, the, you know, the beast mode guys that in every generation, but Jack was certainly one of the longest in, in his career um, consistently. And, and, and so he never lacked distance, but Jack was pure precision. And at the end of the day, if you look at Tiger's stats at, throughout his career, he got it. Yes, he hit it far, but Tiger got it done. The reason everyone saw him as somewhat erratic is because you saw every shot he hit. I mean, every shot he hit was on film, you know, because he was he's Tiger. But Tiger, when he was on and his ball striking was what it was, which was was which was arguably the Butch Harmon days when his ball striking was the best it was. It was a joke how good that guy hit the golf ball. He was a he was a. He was Iron Tiger, right? Not Iron Byron. He was Iron Tiger. I mean, there's a reason why he just whipped everyone's butt because you you took a guy who who his weakness was maybe a little bit in the consistency in the long game, and he dialed it in. And then his short game was, of course, always elite. I mean, the most one of the obviously other than Jam. I mean, obviously they're the greatest players of all time, but two of the best clutch putters, needless to say, we've ever known. So Tiger never lacked any 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 um, lacked for anything or on or around the greens. I mean, he was a magician, and even Jack, what an incredible short game! No one gives him enough credit for how good his short game was. You need to. He won eighteen majors and seventy three tournaments. I mean, the guy was an absolute machine. But those guys, when they were playing their best golf, it was pure precision. I mean, they their ball striking was immaculate. And I and again, I think if you if we dial things back. And we start demanding more shot making being made again, actual shot making, not just stand up there. And, and I don't know, man, you watch Bryson. I mean, I think he's like going through all these breathing exercises and he's like, he's like, you know, huffing and puffing. It's like, that's like, I'm watching somebody blowing, you know, whatever that, you know, when the wolf blows the house down <laughs> and, and you're just like, this is unbelievable. And again, now Bryson certainly played some great golf and, but he was overpowering courses. Right. And he knew what he was doing. And, 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 you know, I never saw Bryson win Colonial. Did Bryson even play Colonial? He probably didn't even want to play it because it didn't play into his wheelhouse. You know, it's like, it's just the way it goes, man. It's, 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 it's ironic, but that's the way it is. And if you look back at Tiger's career, how many times did he play Colonial? He knew it wasn't his wheelhouse, man. He was, he knew his power and his, and, and the, and, and the quality of precision that he had played more favorably at certain courses. Tiger didn't play Hilton Head either, maybe once. You know, and and again, kudos to him. He knew where his game could 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 absolutely dominate. Let's call it a, a Akron, right? I mean, Firestone could not have been more perfect for Tiger's game. It was one of the longer courses, and it was just a precision golf course. I mean, there's no faking it around that golf course, and it being one of the longer golf courses, you knew Tiger was going to dominate there, and he did. And and um, again, I mean, that's when that's when his strengths are going to shine through the most. But but Tiger wasn't, you know, in this bomber's paradise. He was elite in every aspect of the game. Now it's just bomb, 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 bomb. And and that's all there is to it. And again, I know I'm on a somewhat of a what sounds like a soapbox here, but I just love seeing creativity on the golf course. And it's really being sucked out of the game with the current status quo. hundred percent. Yeah. Going off of. um have to ask you, of course, going off and speaking about Tiger, just wondering your your career on tour back in the day, obviously, when Tiger was really, really playing well, that U.S. Open, you had the top five, of course. Just wondering, yeah. maybe you could speak on that experience at the U.S. Open and just 
any sort of fun tiger stories or just stuff you've had with them in your past? I know you've probably been asked it tons of times, but I'd love to hear about it, of course. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any personal stories uh, with Tiger. Uh, unfortunately, I only got to play with him one time in my career. I played with him and Jason Gore the final round at Memorial. And, uh, it, and uh, of course, I played in front of him, behind him, around him, but only one time with him. And it, it is just amazing to me, you know, when you, when you see, like, obviously the way that people act towards, well, famous people, very, very famous people. And you have like the Hollywood movies and actors and all the, all the actors and actresses and things. And you see people losing their minds around a musician, you know, when people used to touch Michael Jackson and they'd faint or something, you know, it was like, Oh my God, they, they give them like this. It's almost as if they give them this godlike status. And I mean, I, there's this one dude and I didn't, I couldn't see him, but you know, you heard him and he was yelling tiger, tiger. He was yelling so loud, so fast, so aggressively. I just thought to myself, that guy's going to have an aneurysm and die. I mean, like he, and we're just walking down the fairway on like one of the first few holes and this dude has losing his mind. And now, I mean, I guess all he wanted was tiger to acknowledge him. I have no clue. And, but he was just yelling it so fast and so ferocious. And I was like, I just thought to myself, I was like, more kudos to tiger for certainly having like, like Tiger was as good as he was more so because of his mind than his actual physical talents. And I know a lot of people talk about it, but not enough people talk about it. Like the way that guy was able to block out all of, all of that excess energy, noise, confusion, chaos, whatever you want to call it going around him. And the way that he just surrounded himself in his own little bubble and just obliterated you know, people on the golf course, I, I can assure you it is a very difficult thing to do. That man's mind, whatever, whatever Zen he was practicing is the Zen that everyone should be practicing because, you know, meditation, whatever it is, uh, you know, I meditate daily and, uh, you know, peace of mind is not the same thing as, as being able to focus in that environment. And, and it's a different kind of peace of mind, right? The focus that he, that he possessed, but, um, you know, going again, going back to your original part of your question, that was a very interesting uh, day for me because, you know, it was 18 holes of just mass chaos, you know, playing, playing with them. And I'm like, holy Jesus, guy deals with this every day. But um, the U.S. Open in 08 at Torrey, um, certainly the, the closest chance I ever had to win a major. And uh, between, you know, you know, that Sunday, I had my chances on the back nine. And uh, honestly, all those times you see the, you know, the greats get it done, you know, they make the putts they need to make and they do this and they do that. And, and I certainly can't hold any upset at all. I was trying as, a, you know, to the best of my ability and I was giving it my all, but I just didn't make the putts. And I was two shots out of that playoff um, when everything shook down. I yeah, I was one over, I believe, and Westwood was at even and then Tiger and Rock over at one under, if I'm not mistaken. And I had my chances. It just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't in the cards for me. But, um, you know, it, I played great all week that week. Uh, I, I remember only hitting a couple of like, you know, just terrible shots, which is, a, again, what you need in a U.S. Open. It's a ball striking, demanding um, setup. So and Torrey was is just that right. It's one. it's a longer it's a fairly long venue. And under U.S. Open conditions, it, it's 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 nasty. But uh, I was actually playing in front of Tiger on Saturday when all that madness was happening, you know, when he holds the putt from the back at 13, chips it in on 17. And, of course, in both of those circumstances, 14, the 13th green, you know, sits here and the 14th tee is back up on this hill. And so 
we had teed off and we were walking past as that putt fell. And I tell people to this day, I said, I've never been in an earthquake, but I swear to God, I thought the cliff was going to fall underneath. I thought we were going to fall in the Pacific ocean. It was so loud. And, um, and, and of course we knew what had happened because I had seen tiger's shot come to the back of the green. Cause you could hear the commotion kind of around the back of the green. And so I didn't get to see the putt obviously until later, but what an incredible putt. I mean, if he hits that thing to the front of the green, it could literally roll a hundred yards down the fairway. So to two putt that much less make it was a, was a tall task. And, um, and then the chip in on 17 was, was epic of course, too, when he just bounced it up the flag and it went right in the hole. And we were literally again, walking by 17 green and you kind of walk back to 18 T and we're walking by again to go to after we hit our drives and, I was playing with Hunter Mahan, I, I think that day. No, maybe I played with Hunter on Sunday. I can't remember who I was with on Saturday. But anyways, for so both times, it's like the timing is perfect. And I'm like, you know, you're you're like my you're just getting earth shook by these eruptions. And it's it's Tiger. I mean, it was again, it, you know, time and time again, week in, week out, you heard that kind of energy around him. And like I said, more more kudos to Tiger for not only being able to handle that, but to win the way he won throughout his entire career. Just amazing. Yeah, I mean, just a little side note. I mean, I know you mentioned Hunter. I mean, he's another example of just I'm pretty sure he tried to rediscover his game a little bit, try and get distance. And I mean, uh, it just it just didn't pay off for him. Clearly, I mean, the amount of talent in that guy is is pretty immaculate. I mean, he's won eight times on the PGA Tour, um, a few playoff victories and, you know, yeah. WBCs. It's, you know, it's just sad to see guys like that just disappear, um, you know, and because now it's, it just doesn't seem like they're playing at all much, um, you know, but I think he retired. Yeah. Uh, that's what it seems like. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything about him recent of, of recent, but um, you know, going back to Tory, um, where you, did you go to the, the Monday playoff? Where did you, did you? No, I did not. I actually, um, they had a charter floor. The, the next week was in, um, I believe we were playing at Hartford the next week and they had a charter uh, Monday morning for us. They were kind enough to set that up to get us from West coast to East coast. So I was on a plane and we were all watching it on the plane. And, um, so no, I did not get a chance to go out there and watch live, but, um, I'm sure it was a pretty epic scene considering it went to extra holes after the 18. And, you know, I, again, I go back to telling people all the time. I'm like, when you look back at that tournament, Tiger had no business winning that tournament. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, so just look at the two examples I gave you, the chip in on 17 on Saturday and the putty made from the back of the green on, on 14. And it's like, that's the definition of a great champion right there. Magical, magical things like that happening at the right time. Cause if he doesn't make that putt, I mean, it, like I said, it, it was a tall task to put that from the back of the green, much less make it, he makes it. So, you know, he turns a, a hopeful four into a three. And then 17, what if that thing doesn't hit the flagstick? And then not, not only did it hit the flagstick, you know, two feet up on the flagstick as it's bouncing, it went right in the hole. So he turns a, most likely a bogey into a birdie. So we're talking a three or four stroke swing just in those two magnificent moments. And it, and it was good enough to get him into a playoff. And then, I mean, I, and like I said, that's just like the magic of, of greatness. And, uh, and, and, and again, I mean, that's just pinpointing two of 72 holes, right? I mean, I'm sure there's some other things in there, uh, you know, who want, you know, again, there's no reason in saying here, there, or whatever, but that's magical stuff, right? I mean, those two things are very unexpected occurrences and, 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 you know, it just doesn't, you don't see that kind of stuff happen very often in the sense of, of, of like 
winning. And it, and it's, um, and like I said, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch because it's like, holy, you know, you're this, I mean, this is, you're in the midst of this, this greatness, right? This aura of, of, um, I mean, at times it was like, is he even beatable, you know? And, and, and I mean, granted it was rare that he was beaten, but there were times when you were like, no chance is he getting beat. You didn't even, you didn't even factor it in. That's, that's coming from a, 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 a very much a place of power, you know, over force. Like Tiger was just that powerful over his peers. There was no, he didn't have to force anything. It just literally just, he just, just powered, just overpowered you. And it was, it was magnificent to, I, again, I got to see a lot of it because, you know, he's only a little bit older than I am. So it was, it was, it was remarkable, man. DJ, um, talking about now, just wanted to get a rundown of what you're doing now with your, with your career, you're feeling on tour this year. And just the concept we talked about how guys are, you know, hitting it far and guys have got to hit it far to win. Do you still believe with, obviously you have all the talent in the world, you're a world-class player. Do you still believe at this day and age with the injuries you faced and the way you're hitting the golf ball now, obviously the goal is always to win. Do you believe that you can still win on the PGA tour that you still have what it takes, even though, the, the, we talked about those courses that, you know, you can still hit it. You hit it obviously far enough, but do you still believe you have what it takes to win on the PGA tour? Oh, absolutely. For me, it's just a matter of getting confidence again. And confidence comes from just literally playing better golf, seeing putts go in, making putts. I mean, I've struggled on the greens. I've, you know, at the beginning, in the beginning part of my career, before I got injured, ball striking was, was definitely my asset. I was, I hit fairways, I hit greens. And after I got injured, I tell people it's kind of weird if you, and again, maybe some, maybe some people can relate. I don't know, but I felt like I kind of had a little bit of a disconnect between my mind and my body. You know, I used to never have to think about what I wanted to do with the golf swing. And then if, if I came, if I had a bad day of ball striking, I could literally just go to the range and hit a couple bags or send my dad a quick video. And he'd be like, Oh, just make this one little adjustment and boom, I'd make that little adjustment and I'm right back to hitting the ball great again. And after I got injured, it was like a kind of a disconnect happened. It was almost like someone severed the cord between my, like, you know, my, my physical mind and my physical body. And I just, I've struggled ever since to, you know, through the continual injuries and everything, it, I, I just struggled with creating that connection again. And I know I can create that connection. I'm, I'm working on some things right now, but I'm kind of at a point now where I know I can still win, but I just the game has been very difficult for me and I'm, I'm, I certainly don't get a lot of playing opportunities. I'm playing out of the past champion category. Uh, those playing opportunities are, are less and less. And when you're not competing on a regular basis, it's obviously very difficult to stay on a top competitive level. You know, these guys aren't slowing down out there and I'm not talking about ball speed. I'm just talking about, you know, when you got guys that are playing week in and week out, you know, th there's there's a certain amount of precision that they're going to be able to acquire over me just sitting at home practicing and doing whatever I'm doing at home, waiting for my chances. So, again, it's it, you know, it's not the best position to be in. But, yes, I do absolutely know I can win, but I just have to be able to tap into that, you know, into that source again of of the confidence that I need to, to stand up and hit the golf shots when I need to hit them and to make the putts at those crucial times and, and to slide that 20 footer in or that 25 footer. Cause again, when you watch the guys that are winning week in and week out, you know, there's those moments, like I was referring to tiger in 08 at the open where, you know, they make some sort of magic happen. You know, you're playing against the best players in the world and it's very unlikely that you're just going to go out and just 
absolutely play perfect. You know, there's no such thing as perfect golf, but I think you catch my drift by saying, you know, that high a quality of golf for 72 holes, you're going to need to get a couple of bounces, a couple of good breaks, make a couple bombs, maybe a chip in or two, whatever you want to call it on top of the fact that, you know, you're playing elite golf that week in the first place. So it takes a lot of factors to win. You know, I think a lot of people just think, Oh, that guy's dialed in this week. Well, yeah, he's dialed in, but I guarantee you, he's more than just dialed in. Right. It's like, it's like, he's like his little, his little guardian angels are out there, you know, giving him a little extra nudge when he needs it. And, and, and that's a big factor, right? It's like, it's almost like uh, it's almost mojo or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like everything's in alignment. The stars are aligned. And, and again, I, I don't care what anyone says. There's a lot of like the guys on the PGA tour are playing unbelievable golf. You don't get there if you're not playing top, you know, world-class golf. So there's no time to pump the brakes. If you pump the brakes, someone's going to speed right past you. You know, you got to be riding in the fastest car and you got to keep your foot on the gas. And, uh, and I love that aspect about it, but again, it's, it's, it's very difficult for me in, in the place that I'm in. I'm just not getting the opportunity to play as much as I need to. So I don't know what the future holds for me. Um, at this point, I'm still trying to play and we'll see what happens moving forward. But, uh, you know, I need to play better. Simple as that. Well, DJ, we're certainly going to be supporting you every step of the way on the road to that third victory of yours. <laughs> I appreciate first. it. Um, but, you know, before we let you go, I just have a quick uh, one final question, you know, talking about all those courses. Do you have one particular favorite course out on the tour? Oh, man, it's crazy. That's a tough question. Um, man, I, I really, really, really like the new golf course in Mississippi. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite. Can I go with like a top three? So I'm not so selective. Yeah. I think the golf course at Sanderson Farms is awesome. Again, it's an old school golf course. Very, very old school golf course. Traditional type golf course. That's certainly why I love it. I love Colonial. That's definitely in my top three. And I'm with you. I think, I think that the bear, I think that the bear trap down in, in, in Palm beach is unreal. You know, like you said, if the elements really play a factor there, there's absolutely no chance anyone can fudge their way around that golf course. And even without the elements being what they might be, you still just got to sack it up and play great golf. And that's, and in my opinion, I think that's really the case. And may, I mean, Sanderson, I think you can get away with it a little bit, but colonial and, 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 uh, down in, uh, down at the bear trap down there, at PGA national, there's no, there's no, there's no slipping through the cracks. You got to just be, you got to show up and man up and play great golf. But I still do love the I do love the course at Sanderson. It, for some reason, it just I don't know, man. It just kind of feels like a Donald Ross to me a little bit. And and damn, I wish we played a Donald Ross on tour. But uh, you know, either way, it's uh, it, that's that's my kind of golf. Tillinghast, Donald Ross, you know, Seth Rayner, old schools, old school guys. Hundred percent. I mean, those are great examples. And yeah, I'm a huge Bear Trap fan myself. But you know. DJ, thank you so much. I mean, this is this was awesome. You know, we had a great conversation. You know, I'm glad we got to have the opportunity to get to talk to you and, you know, we'll definitely be keeping a following for this season. I, thank you very much. Enjoyed being with you guys. Y'all have a great night, okay? Thanks so much, DJ. All right, guys. Take it easy.